standard issue for all women. Hi, Hannah here and welcome to episode four of our series of podcasts celebrating International Women's Day 2021. And if you're thinking, episode four, I didn't even realise there'd been an episode one, two and three, then you've already missed Mickey chatting to feminist lawyer and fearless campaigner for justice for women, Harriet Wistrich, and me chatting to actress and all-round top woman, Katie Wicks, about her new memoir, Delicacy. We discuss body image in that interview, which also plays a role in Jen's interview with Laura Biceps Hoggins, personal trainer and co-director of the Foundry Gym. Now, when I say you've already missed those interviews, I mean, of course, you can still hear them and you absolutely should. And to completely eradicate the risk of that happening again, you can press subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. I'm not judging. And by pressing subscribe, it means you will also not miss our upcoming podcasts in which Mick chats to Gabby Hinsliff about the feminine mystique and its author, Betty Friedan, who would have been celebrating her 100th birthday this year. And Jen's going to be chatting to Dr. Hannah Lawson, senior lecturer in the history of ideas at King's College London about feminist writing through the ages. But enough about the past and the future. What's happening right now? Well, I can't speak for the outside world, but on this podcast, I'm chatting to Sophie Kay, Kerrang's only female DJ, about women in rock and women who rock. She was an absolute treat to talk to, and rather than waste any more of your time with my introductory nonsense, I'm just going to let you hear that for yourself. I thank you. Hi, I am joined by Sophie Kay host of The Breakfast Show on Kerrang! Radio and sometimes DJ at Absolute and Radio One. You do The Breakfast Show, Sophie, which means that you've probably done a full day's work before I even drag myself out of my pit (laughs) this morning. (laughs) We're going to be talking about women who rock, but before we started, I just want to ask you, on a scale of one to a hundred, how much are you missing live music? Oh my gosh. Can I say 200? Yeah. (laughs) I just miss it so much. The only point of getting into this industry, I'll be completely honest, it's not the best paid industry. It's loads of stress, loads of long hours. But everybody from PRs to presenters to everyone gets into this industry because you get free gigs and you get to have it as your social life. Mm. So without that, you're just left with the stress of it. So I think everybody in music at the moment is just missing that so much. Do you know, that's funny. When we first started Standard Issue, I had a conversation with, Sarah Milliken, who is my boss. And because I've been a journalist and I've been an arts journalist, I've worked for local newspapers for years. And we were trying to get tickets to something and they said no to getting tickets to it. Sarah said to me, well, why don't you just like get a ticket? And I said, but they've said no. They've said that they're like, they're full for the comp tickets. And she said, so why don't you just get a ticket? And I was like, but no, they said no. That they're... She said, I don't know how to say this any clearer, Hannah. Why don't you just buy a ticket and I went oh shit yeah that's a thing that happens <laughs> and I had completely forgotten that people purchase tickets to go to gigs yeah, and to go spoiled. to the theatre yeah yeah and it sounds like we're probably a bit spoiled but to be we honest are. for anyone who is listening and thinking that it's also probably not the easiest it's really hard to get into this industry it's very it's not as well paid as say other industries yeah where you can probably afford to get tickets. Um, so, <laughs> so that's where it balances out. Yes, absolutely. That is very true. Do you think that we're going to get gigs this year? Are you confident? I mean, I know you can't predict and you're not a scientist, but... 
Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's really hopeful at the moment, especially with Reading and Leeds announcing that they're going to be going ahead. And people, artists are talking as if it's going to be happening. I mean, I do worry that it's going to be a case of, you can have Christmas, spend all your money buying Christmas presents. Yeah. Oh, no, we're taking that away from you because actually it was only about the economy. So sorry. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Tories. I'll just put that out there. Um, so <laughs> You've come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going to happen with music, but I'm tentatively hopeful, especially since I got my vaccine a few days ago. Have you? Fantastic. Yes, because I'm an asthmatic, yeah. So. Oh, I'm getting real vaccine FOMO. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> so you cover metal predominantly at Kerrang. I have to say, I don't know a huge amount about metal in particular. I did have some friends who were really into metal when I was younger. So I have seen Metallica twice, even though I own not a single thing by Metallica. But when I used to go to, let's say, more broadly rock gigs when I was younger, so let's say the 90s, I would say that the crowd was about two-thirds men, a third women, and the people on stage were almost 100% men. That has changed a bit, particularly the on-stage presence has changed over the years. That said, I haven't been to a rock gig, I would say, for a couple of years now, so... You tell me, what, what what does that picture look like now in the crowd? What does it look like on stage? And also possibly what does it look like backstage, given that you probably get some backstage access as well? Do you know what? The younger it gets, the more diverse it is. And I think the older crew, the gatekeepers, it's still very, very male. But the the younger bands, you're seeing a lot of women coming forward and it's not, it's not at a point, and I, I feel like this has changed within the past even five years. Even about five years ago, I remember replying to an email by a PR, and I sent a really shitty reply because they, they said to me, female-fronted band, and I just replied, female-fronted isn't a genre. Yeah. Because it's not a genre. But now what's happened, I think in the past five years, what's happened is since more women within rock have been speaking out, labels have started going, oh shit, yeah, we actually need to look at our roster. We need to look at things and see if they're diverse and we need to switch it up a little bit. And so we're seeing more and more female artists coming through. Are they as big as the massive artists that are around right now? No, but with rock, it's a different type of genre in the sense that with hip hop, you can have an overnight success. You've got Mm. artists like Doja Cat who are made overnight on TikTok and then disappear because they said something wrong on their Twitter a few years ago. But with rock, it doesn't work like that. The bands that we're seeing now, like Architects, who have just gone to number one, they've been grafting since... God, they've been grafting for years. So it, it just shows that the bands who are starting to come through now, I'm hoping will get some growth. We had Katie Tunstall on our show once, and mm. she told a story about how when she was first trying to get signed, she went to a record label who said, we've already got a woman with a guitar. Like, we don't need another one. Yeah. And it absolutely blows my mind because you're talking about the, I don't know, the 90s or maybe even the early aughts you're talking about in that. That's not that long ago that that was the attitude. We had Amy Lee from Evanescence who recently came forward and their first huge single, like Evanescence are one of the biggest rock bands in the world in in many ways at the moment who came through that emo new metal kind Mm. of era. And she said that actually she wasn't allowed to release her first single without a man singing parts with her because 
they've said the fans aren't used to hearing an all uh, like a female voice so we're not sure they'll accept it and so she had to release her first single as a duet with a man oh that's ludicrous isn't it yeah i mean but i think that now today people don't even say things like that because rock fans are so hot on cancel culture and they're so hot on it they will just delete people especially the young gen z's like i think they almost take it a little bit too far the the younger crew but so people are too scared now and they're trying their best to be diverse yeah because they know that these young kids are coming for them i agree with you sometimes things like that do go too far but yeah it's the the ability for fandom to drive the conversation through things like Twitter, that's there has been some real positive things about that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Oh look, your lovely dog has shown up. <laughs> He's so cute. Trying to cuddle him so he doesn't whinge too much. <laughs> I'm interested as well in the sort of the media around rock music because I've reviewed television for years and I've long been a proponent of the idea that there needs to be more female journalists and reviewers across the board of television, film, theatre, music, because I sometimes think that a man won't necessarily understand a television programme or a film that's about women's issues or pushing sort of a certain narrative. And that they will maybe assume that that means it's not very good, when in fact yeah. it means that they just didn't get it. And also, I think women are way more likely to promote other women hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's getting better. I mean, at Kerrang, I'm the only woman with a show. Really? Yeah. So I'm the only one. At Absolute, there are some amazing women that work there. But apart from Skin, who started a show recently from Skunk and Nancy, I was the only woman of colour. I'm always the only woman of colour in rooms. Like, that's something I've kind of grown to just accept is the way. And, yeah, it's tiring. I think that's why a lot of the artists and a lot of the people that I've championed within rock are other women of colour because I don't want it to be a rope ladder, which I I feel that some women can end up doing. Mm. And it's it's my bugbear. I want to kind of grab those people and shake them when they've internalised that misogyny and they then put it onto other people. Mm. So my thing is that, I'd rather take five steps forward and bring some other women with me than take 10 steps forward and be the only one. Yeah. I think certain bands, for example, will just attract certain genders more than others. And I can't really explain why that is, what it is about some bands that seem to entirely speak to men and other bands that seem sort of more welcoming to women. But I think when you're talking at the stage of sort of journalism, there's nothing that would stop a woman being as good a music journalist as a man. But yet they are so, they are so rare. I mean, you mention you mentioned Skin. She is a really rare bird indeed, isn't she? There mm. is, if you were going to ask me to name a woman of colour in rock, I would say Skin and then I would start to run out of people to mention, which is a really depressing state of affairs, I think. It's awful, isn't it? One of the things I was saying to someone the other day as well is, why don't people name Tina Turner? Why has she been put in this kind of bracket of not rock? Yeah. And I feel that when you are a woman of colour, you have to be put... They just can't associate you with rock. And I don't understand... This is a mainstream media thing. They really struggle to put you in that bracket. And there's a young punk band at the moment 
called Nova Twins, who I've been championing. And sometimes they get put in a grime bracket. And if you listen to their music or see them, you're like, what about this is grime? This is Mm. pure punk. And let's not forget who started the punk movement in New York. Like, it's a really difficult issue because obviously, as you know, and as I'm sure everyone listening to this, to be a true feminist within rock or within any, any space, you have to keep it intersectional mm, and yeah. understand the struggles for different types of women as well to be able to create true diversity. I was talking the other day about, in, the, in an email to you, you know, I was talking about sort of women that I admired when I was younger. Um, I, think, I think I mentioned Kim Deal, who I was obsessed by as a teenager, Polly Harvey, and Patty Smith, who I actually, I was probably in my 20s before I realised who Patty Smith was. I always have to chastise myself for thinking, why didn't you notice Patty Smith sooner? When I was writing that to you, it got me thinking about the, the concept of, of, you know, the ageing rock star and how sort of the media presents rock. Is This is the perfect example of it because we all, when you say the word ageing rock star, we all imagine. We have, I don't even need to explain what it is. We have an idea. Yeah, Steven Tyler. We're all <laughs> thinking of exactly the same thing, you know. Yeah. And it's seen as quite a negative thing. And I googled ageing rock star and found a couple of articles that were like, here are some people who are combating the ageing rock star cliche. And it was still predominantly men in the list, I have to say, still. And the women that were in the list were largely being commented on about how they still looked good. And I thought back about those three women, Kim Deal, Polly Harvey, Patty Smith. And I thought, but those women are like ageing like a boss. Those women are amazing. They are, I mean, they do all look fantastic, but that's beside the point. They're well respected, they're still relevant, they're entirely in control of their own careers, they're clean. If they weren't clean, they are clean now. I mean, Kim Deal and Kelly Deal share the care of their mum between them, do you know what I mean? They're, they look up, they're proper mm. people. And I just thought, the idea that ageing rock star is negative is such a weird thing, we have to reclaim it, because being an ageing rock star as a woman is tremendous. I, I mean, I could go on, Kim Gordon, there are loads of other examples of women that are just doing a terrific job still. And yet, the word rock star, clearly to journalists, still invokes, you know, but you like Mick Jagger or like you say, Stephen Tyler, it's a man. It's always a man in someone's head. That was more of a statement yeah. than a question. But... No, this is something I, I talk about quite a lot because I get really angry about is it takes you years to get anywhere within rock as a man. As a woman who nobody really wants around, it takes you even longer And yet we have this weird concept in our head that women, as soon as they hit 30, are done. Mm. They are absolutely, you're too old, blah, blah, blah. And actually, let's break this down. This, they can still work. They're still, they're still humans. They don't Mm. suddenly just shut down into baby making machines. So all that people are saying is that I no longer feel attracted to women who might be mothers because I know that kind of wrong. But I'm all right being attracted to a 17 year old girl. And when we break that down and how men have put those pressures onto women, it's disgusting. The other thing that women offer is every woman will tell you once she hits about 28, she answers back. Yeah. It's around 28 where you really find yourself and you're like, hang on a minute. And so I feel quite strongly because I was told by one brand once that, and I won't say which brand, but they said that I was too old to work for them because I was nearing 30. And that they wanted to fire 
somebody who worked in the brand who was who had just turned 30. And this man, as a 45-year-old man, was wandering around with his beer belly and his pint of beer, saying this about all of these women in the industry who were, I'm not there as a sex symbol, I'm sorry. I'm there as one of the, 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 the most knowledgeable people in this industry. But then he went on to do auditions with two men who were not only over 30, they looked it. Yeah. Like, and, and there's nothing against balding men, I don't want to, but balding men, people who wear flat caps, they were the people they were auditioning. But me, who was younger and is very in touch with youth culture, he dismissed. And I feel like it's a very male trait to dismiss women as they age. And it's, it's entirely wrong because we look at Annie Mack from Radio 1 and she's what 42 or something I don't mm-hmm. want to get her age wrong but she's um she's a mum she's she's doing it all and young people love and respect her so yeah yeah we, we had earlier this year again all concept of time so more I can't be more specific than that <laughs> but um and it's not even this year it was probably last year Mickey spoke to Annie Nightingale who right. had so many stories we couldn't we couldn't fit them all in just you know just incredible stories and was such a pioneer and so sort of out there and yet when people talk about you know pioneering DJs I do wonder how many people come on the list before they would get to Annie Nightingale when in fact she was you know certainly for women but also for the sort of music and a woman her her age still so in touch puts my musical knowledge to absolute shame and she's in her 80s, Annie Nightingale, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. And we still have the same problem. I mean, let's be honest. Mm. Uh, I've, I don't know how to word this, but when we look at the the highest paid jobs within rock and the people who will be doing the best, how many women are there? Because mm. when we look at like national radio stations, there aren't many, there aren't enough women in those positions of power yet. And I feel like it's it's just, it's just across every board because I also worked in advertising for a stage. Yeah. It's like I love industries where it's all men. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but any job that's creative and potentially well-paid is just yeah. so male-dominated and it's so hard to make it yeah ahead as a woman that's a really interesting point because I've got uh, a friend who's quite the Doctor Who aficionado and I asked her I asked her about what difference it was going to make that there was a female Doctor Who and she said oh having a female Doctor Who is important but having a female Doctor Who showrunner that's when we will have like the real victory yes and that is exactly the point that you're making isn't it yeah what I've said quite a few times and I've got in arguments about this in different companies because often people go right great Sophie Black and she's female let's just get her on then we've ticked two boxes but then I've I've actually said these exact words to somebody where I've said now that I've got my feet under the table do not think you can use me as a token you have to hear my opinion at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah because I'm I, I won't be used and I feel that yeah within rock I know I can speak on this especially there aren't women in positions of power in in radio really Mm. there aren't really many in across the board in radio it's a very 
male dominated industry and we need to see more women in positions of power yeah because then we stop we stop looking at women simply as right we've got women on we need to get some women they, they stop being box tickers mm. we stop being sexual objects and we just start being taken on our merits yeah which i feel is important yeah because if i if i was going to say who i thought the most powerful woman in music industry probably was i mean i might go for someone you know like emily evis because you know she runs glastonbury and i'm sure she does an absolutely incredible job of it but essentially that is a family business they didn't strike out and go and employ her because she was a woman that is a, a family business you need to put women in those positions to be booking festivals and booking all sorts of stuff um yeah definitely lorna clark is someone i look up to so lorna clark is she originally started at kiss i believe kiss radio but she is now the head of pop music i believe is her title so she's in charge of radio one one extra all of those stations and she's there at the top bossing it even though i've never met her she's someone i look up to So tell me, while we're talking about great women, tell me what women in rock we should be looking out for, what talent there is that's on the horizon. Or maybe not even on the horizon, maybe already here, but we just haven't noticed. Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm is absolutely phenomenal. She wants, just messing around before an interview, we were chatting, and I was asking her about her inspirations, and she was telling me about how much she loved Heart. Um, Mm. And she sang... And I was just like, oh, my God, you're amazing. So she's probably about Alexandra Palace. What's that? About 3,000 cap venues. Yeah. So they're, they're doing quite well. Hailstorm are phenomenal. Other women that are absolutely killing it. Do you know what? It's really hard to think of women who are already yeah. there. That's the scary part. But there's a lot of women within metal who are doing extremely well, which I find interesting and changing. Even bands like, say, Code Orange, and the guitarist Reba, they were on billboards across Times Square. They've just broken loads of barriers or whatever the word would be. So they've they've done really well within metal. But I'm watching a lot of the new artists and artists like, say, Nova Twins, who I talk about. They're punk. Two women. They they could be fashion designers at the same time because their aesthetic, everything is so on point. Mm. But Lizzie Hale is always the one that sticks with me because she's so phenomenal but then you've got artists like in this moment maria brink she's really open talking about sexual trauma as a child and so she helps and does a lot of uh, charity work in that side as well brilliant front woman it's kind of like a mix of seeing madonna and a rock band Mm. at the same time amazingly the pretty reckless have done really well they got to number four in the charts over here in the uk and that is fronted by taylor momsen who was in Gossip Girl and The Grinch. So she was an A-list Hollywood actress who gave it all up to be a rock star, which I admire because mm. loads of rock stars are just trying to be Hollywood actors. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're never quite as good. I don't, know, I don't know why it is, but there's something about rock stars that they don't generally translate, and I don't know why. I can think of probably a dozen rappers that have turned in a great performance in a film somewhere, and yet... Rock stars never seem to gel very well with me in acting. I don't know why. I think it's because the whole premise of, like, rappers created this world in which you can be rich, make money, money, money. Do you know what I mean? It's all about that kind of world. 
Whereas rock, it's about being broke, being angry, hating the world. If you're rich enough to be at the point, do you really respect your rock stars anymore? Yeah. Anymore as much, unless they're playing the old hits? You want them to be playing the old hits. Yeah. Like, That's really interesting. That's always the thing that I think about Oasis is Oasis wrote a great album about being working class and then they weren't working class anymore. Yeah. And then what do they write about next? And I don't think for me they've ever replicated that sort of genuinely raw sort of energy that they had indefinitely maybe. They've done other good albums. I mean, I'm not a massive Oasis fan, but I can pick other good Oasis songs, but nothing that had the promise. But it's because their success removed the thing that made them successful, weirdly. Yeah, yeah. that a lot. And I know there's loads of people who come for me and they'll be like, what about this album from yeah. this artist? And then, you know, you do get great albums, but there's something about that raw, we are broke, we are hungry, we're touring in a van, we're sleeping on people's floors that makes rock even more amazing, which is a shame because yeah. actually you don't want people to be that broke. You want no. them to do well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's another thing about saying when when you review gigs, especially when, like for me, local sort of local music um, venues, small venues, you tend to see a lot of bands when nobody knows who they are. And then yeah. six months later, you're like, wowzers. <laughs> They've got an album out and everyone's talking about them and we saw them wherever. I can always remember seeing the Kings of Leon before they'd even, they, I don't oh, think wow. they'd even done, maybe Youth and Young Manhood was just out when we saw them. Yeah. And I remember standing there at the end and saying, I don't know what I've done with my life because they're about 15 and they were at that point. They were like really, really young. And I'm just standing here watching in my 20s thinking, God, what was I doing when I was 14? Nothing like that. Nothing like yeah. that at all. I've been calling out majors a lot for that at the moment, by the way, because however much we love to think music is organic and we have found bands and yeah. grown bands, they also get helped a mm. lot and put on that path and put in front of the right eyes. Artists like Kings of Leon, you can see that, that growth. Mm. And if majors have decided they don't like rock, they have decided that they've like hands down you, said, just uh, to clarify for people you mean major labels major yeah. labels sorry yeah. yeah they've decided they don't like rock so they, they're not really pushing rock as much and they have to push it in more an indie realm because yeah. for some reason they think rock is super uncool even though it's like huge on tiktok with young kids and stuff but that aside the artists that they're pushing a lot of the time are males so they're perpetuating when they yeah. do push bands like young blood's great 21 pilots are great mm -hmm. but let's not ignore the fact that they are male and i love those like literally love those artists and i go see them but if they're putting that much spend and money and helping grow and nurture those bands who already did have a fan base but they wanted to grow and nurture them further where are they putting the money for the young female artists yeah and why why are artists like say halsey who they essentially did to Halsey what they did to Pink, in my opinion. So Halsey came forward and she wanted to be alternative. She wanted to write this alternative album, but she wasn't... that. Her first album, Badlands, was essentially an alternative album. But she speaks openly about how she wasn't given the right support within the alternative space. And it makes me question, like, was it the same thing that happened to Pink, where she wanted to be... She got pushed down this R&B route, because that's what's yeah. popular right now. And so a lot of the time, major labels are keeping rock sexist. 
yeah that wouldn't surprise me although it does depress me that yeah that actually, <laughs> that, that really wouldn't surprise me so I was thinking the other day about how lockdown might be affecting the formation of bands you know 14 15 year olds who meet in their mates garages or meet in the local club or or whatever it is and practice that's not happening is it do you think that the COVID may have an impact on music that we haven't quite seen yet, the development of young talent. I get the feeling it might be the opposite. Oh, that's exciting. That's a really because... positive answer. I'm glad I asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I see it is there are kids who have been at home from school with all this energy that they haven't been able to put anywhere. So I can imagine that they have poured all of that in energy into their instruments. And there'll yeah. be more people wanting to learn their instrument and getting more obsessed with music, more time to spend online, finding out about new music and old bands and all that kind of stuff. And so when they're back at school, which they are um, at the moment, then they'll be more inclined to want to have had time to think about wanting to do this and commit to it without outside peer pressure, I'm hoping. And the other thing is the thing that thrives in times of poverty and times of darkness in the world is rock music. Yeah. So maybe this is actually a really powerful time for rock because no one wants to listen to happy pop when the world is in crisis. Absolutely. In fact, I've been, I I constantly have this conversation with people. I grew up in the 80s and when I listen back now to 80s music, even stuff that's like really what seems like pop, but even stuff that, you know, that it just seems like just a really innocuous pop tune, I, I later discovered was about something else. It was about yeah. women's rights or it was about gay rights or it was about Hayden Thatcher or it was about the minors. And I don't know where the angry music is at the moment. I'd like to I'd like to hear some quite angry music because we've had 10 years of the Tory government and I feel like music should be reflecting that. I don't want to hear anyone singing about love. I want to hear people singing about politics. Music is more controlled now, I feel, by major labels and by media than it is. In some ways, it's more controlled now. In other ways, it's not. But labels and media are so insistent that they want nothing to do with rock. And you've got bands like Architects getting number one albums this week. You had Pretty Reckless the other week getting to number four. You had Yumi at six getting to number one. And yet rock is still ignored and people say it's not a thing anymore that's so, so it, until people in, until major outlets admit that it's a thing again um yeah. it's just going to keep getting ignored yeah so it's out there it's just you have to you have to find it out which is kind of more cool because more underground sophie i've had you for ages and this is really interesting i could carry on talking for <laughs> ages i just wanted thought we should do uh, at the end we could just talk about something else briefly and give a little plug to NACOA, which is a charity that you and I are both involved with, the National Association for the Children of Alcoholics. You and I have both done a Lunchtime Live, which are, I believe, I think mine's on Facebook and yours is maybe on Instagram. How did NACOA first get to your attention and, and what was it that made you decide that it was the right time for you to start talking about it? I had been through a process of my own recovery to heal from growing up in an alcoholic 
household. And because it's part, it was part of a, a 12 step program, I have to have to acknowledge the anonymity that goes along with that. So I couldn't talk about it, mm. which is really, really painful because you're like, oh my God, I want to tell everyone how amazing, how difficult this is. Because <laughs> the thing about being in an alcoholic home is there's like this thing of you don't talk about it. Yeah. The silence, you've got to. So when I saw Nicoa, um, and I think I just saw it on Twitter, someone might have been Jonathan Ashworth sharing about it. And I was like, right wow, there's a charity out there that does work. Mm. And this is something that I can share and champion on my platforms. Yeah. So since then, they've just been someone I've been talking about quite openly. And I think they were like, who's this? Why is she sharing <laughs> us all the time? So yeah, they got in touch for a lunchtime live. And it was really nice chatting to them. So I've been involved in a few of their things that they're doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, they are a terrific charity. And the figures they showed the other day that they've, doubled the calls to them over lockdown which I don't think either of us find surprising but again quite upsetting um they do and when you break work. it down to the when you break it down to the fact that very few children probably know that they even exist mm. yeah like it's it's and if if every child knew that they existed how many calls they would be getting then yeah and how many children are too scared to call through oh break my heart or just can't oh. yeah just or can't. can't yeah don't have don't have a phone can't use a landline I mean, i was thinking that if you don't like most houses don't even have a landline anymore so how no. do kids call helplines you know they have to wait till their mom's not looking and then ring from their phone i don't know it's it's really hard for them but yes if anybody wants to give a donation because they do they're doing um good work there i was going to say the lord's work but yeah neither neither of us believe in god so i don't know why i would have said that <laughs> Sophie, where can the Lord, you... <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. Um... Yeah. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, obviously, they can listen to you if they get up at 7am and listen to you on Kerrang. I am the God that I'm so slovenly. I, 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 was, I thought this morning I'd get up and listen to you. And then I was like, I'd have to get up at half past six. What time do you have to get up? So pretty early, pretty early. But it just luckily since lockdown, I can just roll out of my bed and yeah. just be in work. Oh, so, you yeah. are you are working from home. Yeah, so yeah. everything, all the show is recorded from home now because Barrow are really good as a company, and they just didn't want to risk having people coming in to do live shows. Yeah, in the studios. So yeah, you can find me. The best place is to hear me because I probably overshare on all my platforms, which is the way I work. Mm. I am Sophie K on Twitter and Instagram. I probably post less on Instagram, but yes, yeah, so you can hear more about me there if you want extreme oversharing i also have a podcast which is called on wednesdays we wear black and it's the first podcast within rock which is presented by all women of color or non-binary people so excellent so we're making a bit of a mark in the rock world there oh that's terrific all good podcast providers yes spotify apple all the ones terrific thanks ever so much for your time sophie this has been great thanks hannah Standard issue for all women.